1: All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast, MWR.com. You know what, Matt, you can do because the world's a crazy place. Just search Mountain West Wire and you'll find us anywhere you want online. Is that is that vague enough to get the right message out there?
2: Yeah, I would say so. If you, if you look M- hard enough, you can find us. And if and if worse comes to worse, you can also DM us on Twitter at MWC
1: Wire. Here. Exactly. MWR.com is the website and things are changing. That, that joke may be still in five seconds, but I'm going to go with it, Okay. That's that's, that's reasonable. Sure. Oh, thank you. uh all right. So here's what we're doing today. We're doing our bowl recaps. We're gonna have a flurry. A fury. Is a flurry or fury podcast? Should we go flurry like a, a lot of snow flurry? Is that how it is? Multiples. I've never fury heard of fury
2: podcasts. That that seems there, to be like like somebody somebody punchy. who's like you know, not not to go on a rant and then they just do that a bunch.
1: You're the English guy. That's what I'm saying. A fury. I I think the
2: more proper term is flurry. So let's go with that.
1: That's what I felt. I'm like, I misspoke. I'm like, wait, which one is it? Because there's a fury of punches that also may be incorrect as well. Well, multiple podcasts, is what I'm getting at here. We're going to recap the first set of games. We had the uh, Himmel Bowl. We also had the Frisco Bowl. We got some news going on. Then there'll be a bunch of the other bowls leading up to Christmas week. And we'll kind of do what we did before, where there'll be one big podcast for most of the previews also. I'll break it up individually just so if you'll only want to listen to, if you're just because you want to hear Eastern Michigan, San Jose State, which or actually I talked about that, my bad. We, that's already out there still by itself. Excuse me. Air Force, Baylor, stuff like that. You can do that on your own time as well. Just a one quick 15, 20 plus minutes of the recap or preview, whatever you decide.
0: There you but go. But first,
1: Matt, we got some big news here. Coaching news in the Mountain West. So let's, let's roll back to UNLV. We talked about Barry Odom as the head coach. If you missed that, go back and listen to our – what what was that? Our Mount title recap show or is our bull preview show? One of the two, yeah. Or I, was is, around is our, I think it's our no. Actually, it's its own specific show. So go check that about Barry Odom being hired in Vegas. Bobby Petrino is now the offensive coordinator. Um, and for better, better or worse, I I'm going to use um. I don't want to put the mature rating on this map because we want more people to listen than not, and we also recommend split zone duo with Stephen Godfrey, Alex Kirsten, uh Richard Johnson. Those guys do a Amazing job, specifically the coaching stuff, because it's as they put the best time of the year. I think the most crazy time. UNLV basically wanted to um, go after the big names, no matter what, do what they wanted to do to see who they can get. And Bobby Petrino, he's a where would you on a scale of like superstars or whatever, where would you kind of put him on the list as a coaching can coaching the offense for UNLV out in the desert?
2: Well, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, when the when the when the hire was announced, you know, obviously everybody sort of went to the same well to make the same jokes about all of the, uh, yeah, so Chris. we say, uh, questionable off season off field decisions that Petrino has made over the past fifteen years or so. You know, he there's, yeah. you know, leaving six months after signing a fat contract at Louisville the first time around to go to the yeah, was I think that was the Atlanta Falcons, was it not?
1: where he left Monday night at halftime of a football game with a note. Yeah. Essentially.
2: (laughs) And then, you know, once he was in Atlanta, then, you know, he had to navigate an entire season without Michael Vick and and Michael Vick's off-season, off-field issues rather. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he pieced out before that year was even done to go to Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the whole motorcycle incident at Arkansas, yada, yada, yada. Setting all of that aside –
1: you added over the best part, as you should have. So go, go ahead.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, if, you, if you're a college <laughs> football fan, you were probably already well-versed on on uh, Bobby Pacino's travails. But when you look at the on-field product that he has been able to shape over the years, it's kind of, I mean, one, UNLV is definitely pushing all of its chips to the center of the proverbial table. They are doing what it takes to try to get this right. Rightly or wrongly, you know, you may have raised your eyebrow, most, sort of the the moral side of things, if you if you want to.
1: Well, let's say this: he did nothing illegal by any stretch of the means. Questionable well, he behavior, did, uh, like you said, or was there something I missed? You might say, okay, yeah, I just feel like. Well, I mean, with the with the thing at
2: Arkansas, if I remember correctly, there was a this circumstance where not only was he having that. uh yeah, the affair with the person but that he yeah. had also given her money in exchange for like a, a staff position or something mm, like okay. that
1: so, okay it's a favorable it's a favorable spot in the company essentially to, yeah yeah so okay it's okay clearly bending the line but he there is no I'm not trying to defend him overall but nothing outright he did something terrible and should be banned for anything I'm just saying he's a he's a character with he's an opportunist and takes care of his own and he oh yeah Did some weird stuff and it's, he bends the line clearly. And that's all part of the conversation when you consider bringing the guy into, because how many Mike price jokes are there out there for an Alabama? And he did the strip club Mm -hmm. and stuff from Wazoo and UTEP and whoever else makes the weird stuff that goes on because called the Hugh free stuff, which is nowhere near what, like that's on a stratosphere by its own. What he's done in intimidating people and DMing people who don't want it. Petrino's just done some stuff that's like, dude, grow up. In in nicer, in simplest terms, but like go on with his football prowess, he does a solid job when he's at a job he actually likes. Yeah. I mean, obviously
2: the, the most the the, the 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 biggest example of the work that he can do, especially with quarterbacks. And I think if you want to narrow that focus, that's really where he has has made his name as a head coach. You know, number one, Lamar Jackson, in his second yep. stint at Louisville, putting together the Heisman campaign, you know, Amazing. two top 25 finishes in, in four straight bowl seasons, you know, four straight seasons of eight wins or more in the ACC. Mm-hmm. But not only that, you know, there was, you know, Jeff Brom, uh, Stefan LaFours way back in the day, uh, Ryan Mallet at Arkansas. Uh, and even more recently, you may recall the Jason Shelley transferred from yeah. Utah State, you know, when when the Aggies were r- r- well, down also and out you, one year in 2020. Also he went University to Missouri State.
1: Transfer.
2: Yeah, he went to Missouri State a year later and you know the Bears won eight games, went to and and were a playoff team for the second straight year. So while that, that fell off a little bit in uh in twenty twenty two, yeah. Maybe that sort of speaks to the the overarching point about you know what you mentioned Sort of in passing, but I think it's worth shining a light on that he looks out for himself. Mm. And I saw more than one person on social media note the fact that, you know, Petrino left after going from five and five to eight and four, back down to five and six in the Missouri Valley Conference. And if, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: if you're not well versed in FCS football, just know that that conference is one of the toughest in America.
1: Well, he did go five and one in year one. The record was he lost every non-conference game in twenty twenty.
2: Yes. So, but I saw some people grumbling like, "Oh, well, he's leaving while the getting is good," and et cetera, et cetera. So many in so many words, basically. Mm. And so that's where when I say this is a high risk, high reward situation, you you see that kind of grumbling, and you just see his overall history. You know, one, he hasn't been an offensive coordinator anywhere since 2002 and and for those of you who are patrons of the split zone duo podcast you may recall that they brought up that when he did that he also tried to get the auburn job out from under i believe tommy tuberville yep dubs before, before going to louisville but then since being at louisville the first time he hasn't stayed anywhere for more than four years
1: yeah was he Louisville? no louisville was the um yeah, he was fired at Louisville, so there's that. So
2: twice, in from 2020 twice. to 2006, yeah. and then from 2014 to 2018. So the, the the reward is that you get a guy who can shape what sort of remains from this year's offense. You know, Doug Brumfield is still around, even if you know Aiden Robbins and Kyle Williams. You know, should I mean, to, at this moment they haven't pulled back from the transfer portal. They may not, but if they do,
1: two weeks left.
2: Even if they don't. He still has a quarterback that I think the expectation is that he will be able to do great things with.
1: Yeah, it's like at Brumfield, yeah. like not like super early, but if we look who's coming back, like Jake Hayner's gone. Um, I look at Chevyn Cordero, but some guys are gone. Like he could legit be top four quarterback right now, regardless of who the coach was, and you bring yeah. in him, who Heisman Trophy. Like Here's real quick, like he's coached in Mountain West or West before in the WAC, Utah State, Louisville. Obviously, he's been in the NFL. Head coach, OC. He's it's the good and bad thing. He's coached everywhere, highest levels as an NFL head coach, Heisman Trophy winner, Power Five leagues. He's had success pretty much ever as head coach, but he always seems to wear out his welcome. You, you By zone like, forward or screw it up. It's like the what scorpion and the frog. Exactly, perfect example. It's like, so, come on guys, it's you know, okay, when it's you, good. When you're...
2: When you're buying in to a name like Bob Bucchino, you had better be sure that you know what you're getting, because on the one hand, UNLV could you know could secure so they could secure a spot in the championship game in the next couple of years, and it could just as easily be that he could lead that turnaround and then use that to jump to a head coaching job somewhere.
1: I wouldn't blame him for that because OC head coach—that's a reasonable expectation for even this guy at his age and credential it would but yeah i would be more what would be kind of sucky is because they're look at this their non-conference schedule next year real quick it's bryant at michigan vanderbilt at utep which we mentioned before that's that potential three possibility there made it very manageable and yeah very manageable to win multiple of those games what would be kind of crappy is like oh they have a great year year one he's like oh i'm off to say some like Justin Wilcox gets fired at Cal and he takes over Cal or something like that, some other job yeah. where it's like, oh, I'll go there. That would be, I still wouldn't blame him, but it's like, oh, we know what this guy does. But it's, they're like, I said, they're going all in for this. And what he's done, is quarterbacks. He developed those guys. He's had good seasons. It's just him. We'll just see how he does. Like, again, he hasn't had a boss since 02. He's been a head coach every year since 02 at any position he's had, NFL, FBS, FCS, or FBS. He's never had to answer anybody on the field coaching. and so. But Barry Odom, which is good, he's been around and been a head coach multiple places, or at least the Missouri, I forget where, where else, but obviously obviously Arkansas, D.C. recently. But I think having a guy said that, it would be hard to say they were to bring in a, as the head coach, like a Timmy Chang type guy, somewhere that range maybe higher, but you have Petrino being the O.C. That would have been mm-hmm. a disaster. Having a guy who's already been around at big-time football, Bigger than UNLV and SEC, whatever, Laugh of Missouri, and but all that stuff. This will yeah. hopefully. Now, I'm not. I'm not trying to say he's a problem, but like again, you make the right metaphors, and we've seen his track record. And if he wants to get a better job, nobody's gonna blame him, right? That's fine. He can go yeah. off and take I mean, another I think head it coach would, a job.
2: It is. I would not blame UNLV fans at all for being optimistic. They should be, but but I would also encourage but- them to brace themselves. That you know, whatever optimism they have, may be fleeting, if nothing else.
1: We'll end on this real quick. Well, I guess I'll I'll mention this. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. Petrino's 13-game tenure is tied for the third shortest non-interim coaching time in NFL behind Lou Holtz, 1976, and most recently Urban Meyer. hmm If I recall, Petrino's the only one of those that quit. Yeah. So that's the, out of all the stuff he's done, like the volleyball assistant and giving them a preferable job, that's really bad. But that's obviously bad in how how it looked like he's married and everything. But like quitting on your team like during the season during the game, it's like what are you doing? Like have some respect and, and do some stuff. I know the, the college football calendar is wild and crazy, and coaches take whatever the job they want. But I'm like, dude, you're in the freaking NFL. It's like come on. So I think there's reason to say this is a good football wise a good move. Other stuff TBD. Like we know what he's done, but. Let's just put it this way. I won't be surprised if something weird happens, but I also won't be surprised if he does, has, has a successful run and this team will actually get to maybe a couple bowl games and down the road. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to go beyond that until I see it. I'm not going to predict they're building toward championships. They're going to win the West Division or be the top two teams for the title game. I'm just saying the next step with what they have, they're on track with the talent, and depending if Kyle Williams and other guys stay, my next step for them is get to a bowl game, then we'll talk about what's next. There you go. Now I got some bad news. Danny Gonzalez lost his best friend. Rocky Long is heading to Syracuse at the age to go to the bitter cold of Western slash Upper New York cold New York at seventy two years old. Rocky Long, what are you doing? Why is he going to? What is his deal? Why, why? he? We tried this before. He said no to it and went to New Mexico with uh, Bobby Gonzalez. Danny Gonzalez, excuse me. Why? What's his rationale at that age to go to that that type of a program?
2: I mean, I have to think he just wanted the challenge, and maybe yeah. that Dino, and maybe that Dino Babers, who try, who as you mentioned, tried to hire him mm-hmm. for the same job two years Amazing. prior. You know, the, my understanding from the from the digging that I did, as far as like a lot of the moving pieces, and this involves a lot more than just New Mexico. Like, if you if you go out there, I know that there's an article on. Uh, at the Athletic from Mitch Sherman, I believe on uh, the guy that Rocky Long is replacing at Syracuse, Tony White, left for the same job uh, at Nebraska to work under Matt Rule. Like there's this subculture of guys who know the three three five. White is one of yeah. them. Long is one of them. You know uh, Zach Arnett, who just recently was uh, uh, re- replaced Mike Leach as the head coach at uh, uh, Mississippi, Mississippi State. States. He's another three three five guy. All of those guys learned in one way or another from Rocky Long.
1: Hey, Gary Patterson, please. I don't want Rocky Long to leave. Come on. And VP be the orange.
2: <laughs> and so my understanding is that Babers, when he tried to court Rocky Long the first time, like a lot of that was to learn what the three three five was all about. Mm-hmm. And the, from my understanding, and I could be wrong about this, that he really likes that setup. And so, yeah. if you're going to maintain that for your defense in a Power Five conference, I mean, especially on a on a team that had a fair amount of success this year. I know they fell off late in the year, but they were you know ranked at, at a certain point in the mid season.
1: Did they be Clemson last that, year? I think it was or recently this year, last year. They I gave can't a recall exactly. It. At the minimum. I think it was like a
2: five and zero or six and zero start.
1: Yeah, but yeah. I mean, if but if you're looking
2: to maintain that edge within your conference what more like what better way to do that than the guy who knows that system better than anybody.
1: Yeah. It's just the things, conversations I've had with people, this just seems like, because there was, I don't know how legit, but BYU, there's some sort of interest in Rocky long, but there's obviously hatred and going back to the, his playing days coaching back in the Wackam mountain West Mm -hmm. against BYU years ago. But I'm like, it just seems like what he had settled with his family and everything that we know about where he lives and everything in the area is again, he's, he's a, he's going to be a guy who he's unfortunately, this is gonna be hard truth. He's gonna be a big guy when he retires or steps down, he's probably going to move along, pass away. In like within a year or six months, some of these guys just coach. It's like, didn't bear Bryant happened to him. Like as soon as he's done coaching, he basically died within a year. Cause he's done nothing to do. Like Something those guys like just coach. Like it's, there's people that do that. They work and work and work until whatever age and I nothing to do. And then they just, Whatever happens, you're like, I'm done essentially, unfortunately. But I could see him being a guy who coaches however many more years could be five, could be ten. I don't know. You've seen guys up there in age, but then that's his life, which is great. It just seemed like and most of the assumption was his last stop was to help his buddy Danny in Albuquerque to get that program closer to what it was. And he was getting close this past year. Like the defense was getting was pretty good above average, but now it's it seems like a big hit, and people are starting to say, Well, Gonzalez might be gone in a year or two. I'm like, I don't know if that's the case, but it really does hurt, but also we gotta give Danny Gonzalez some credit, man. It's like he learned from a really good guy like San Diego State, he learned at Arizona State. Like, he's not a nobody, it's just that the Rocky Long name is not just huge out here, but huge in t- across all of college football. Like, not many teams run this type of defense that he does, and he's the guy who basically invented it.
2: That's well, I mean, so he did, he didn't invent it, that was actually Joe Lee Dunn. I looked, this I know, up. But-
1: you know, I mean? yeah, there's always somebody above. I mean, but like he, he's, but he
2: learned it from Dunn and, 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 and more or less made it his own to the point that, yeah. you know, as long time listeners know, he is probably more closely associated with that defense than any other coach.
1: That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. There's always somebody like, at least if in, you're at in listen- the modern game. Yeah. It's like if you hear that all the people uh, raving over what Mike Leach has done with when he was alive, like when he passed last week about how's passing offense, this, this, and this. Like, yeah, yeah he kind of started it, but it was not necessarily him, but it was learning from, like, he learned from Andy Reid, learned from Lovell Edwards, he's learned from at Mummy and stuff, all these different yeah. places across the globe. So it's like he kind of became the modern person. Like, Rocky Long and Mike Leach are kind of the same type of guy when you think about what they kind of presented in college football on the opposite sides of the ball. Yeah. But what are they going to do now? What's the coordinator thought, like, what is Danny Gonzalez going to do? Like, what does it mean for Lobos? Because it's not great. I don't think it's dire. It, it Again, I think it's more of a name thing, I think a little bit, but Having that experience on hand, it's tough to replace. Like, there's nobody out there. Again, I jokingly go get Gary Patterson to come run it, but he's not doing anything, and I wouldn't want him to touch a college football field of recruiting to save my life. So,
2: oh, I don't know, man. I think it might be dire.
1: You think you think it's that bad losing Rocky Long?
2: Who's okay? So let's let's assume that they want to they want to like promote them within.
1: Who's the obvious name
2: that's going to have cachet?
1: Well, nobody's gonna have the same, so does him, so that's not that's not the question to ask. Like that, there's nobody, there's nobody that has that outside or inside. And, and
2: how many people out there are running the three three five that New Mexico would be able to afford to bring in? That's
1: a good point. Not many.
2: Like it's it's not. I mean, it's not that big of a community. So like it's it's. Ah, I feel so bad for Lobos fans, man. They're they're thirsty for a winner, and. You know, we already knew that they were losing players on the field to the transfer portal, to the NFL draft, things like that. And it's just, you know, the one strength that they had, one relative strength that this team had this year and last. They're basically starting from scratch. Because both the veteran talent and the young talent are out the door. And yeah, I mean, I don't know where I don't know where they go from here. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to play the wait-and-see game, but I do think that there's a lot of pressure on Gonzalez to figure this out sooner rather than later now.
1: Do you think it matters that he over-doubled over his salary? Because it's reported about 700000 and the highest assisted on UNM staff, which I assume would be long, was 300000 k. Do you think at that age, money played a big, played a big part even though it's over-doubling it? Yeah, probably. I am I figured it would. I'm just trying to figure things out. I, oh, man, I don't know, but... It's also knows what he's doing. He's not a dummy. But again, the experience having that guy, he's been a head coach. Maybe that's all us. He's like, it's a mentor thing. Kind of, I'm gonna come help my buddy out. I'm gonna lean on He's gonna lean on me for all this stuff. And maybe feel like he learned a lot, but like your team's not very good still. So I don't we'll see who they hire and bring in. But like who are you gonna get? Like, you're right, like the defense line coach from Mississippi State, like under Zach Arnett now. It's like he played. you gonna get somebody from former Gary Patterson staff at TCU, wherever they're spread across. You're gonna get somebody from the Aztecs, like linebackers coach to come over DC. I'm not sure. There's more teams that run a three-three-five, but I'm trying to think. Like, I don't know that many have top my head, but there's not a ton. It's not as dire as getting a triple option coach, like what you're going to do if you need to go to an academy or whatever they're going to do for those type of coaches. But it's not much work, not much better. To if mm-hmm. assuming, which I would assume right, the right rightfully they should be running that same defense, just because uniqueness of what you can do within the different options it presents against other offenses. Yeah. I don't know, man, it's um, it's just, okay, so when you think of Gonzalez really quick, we'll get to the ball stuff, like is he, this is year three coming up for him, correct, he had the COVID year, this was year three, so this is going into year four, does New Mexico even have the money to get rid of him if he doesn't, if he doesn't get into like four wins this year? I mean, that gonna, I wouldn't know or? off
2: the top of my head
1: trying to think like what would they let him run the contract out but, but you never let a contract run out but because I, that's bad for i mean this is well. i
2: mean yeah well 2023 is actually gonna be year did you, did you say year four because next me. year is gonna be year four
1: that's what i meant coming up with you this is year three coming up as year four. Oh
2: yeah um i mean i i won't pretend to know anything about the lobos finances in the, in the yeah. athletic department but i i'll just reiterate what i know i mentioned on this podcast in the past bob davy made a leap from year three, year three to three four, mm-hmm. so, I mean, they they've got to show some progress, otherwise, yeah, I think gonna, it's going to be really really hard to keep them.
1: Yeah, we're going to have some articles about kind of portal stuff needs. What New really needs, they need some sort of offense. Like this is not a breakdown Lobo show. We can do that later. Just kind of some random offseason stuff, but the quarterbacks been like, they're the team where we started the quarterback over a decade ago. I'm like, they are, which is the five quarterbacks in one game, which they've done before or throughout the season. There's a mm-hmm. reason we make that joke and bring it up because it's been so long going back to whole freaking Gauchi, who could pretend to, who couldn't pretend to throw to mm-hmm. save his life. And they brought in the running quarterback and the throwing quarterback on multiple downs during that time, back in long time ago, they literally need to reinvent offense, but I don't know. That's, the, it, it's tough to figure out, and it was this is a longer conversation down the road, but it's right when they make progress, even though they lose guys to portal, they lost guys coming into the season, eight guys who were leaving. They still had a top 45 defense for a team that was and ultimately not did, what they were winless in conference, correct? I think yes. so. A team that had a defense that showed resistance and held pretty good scoring teams to not not an absurd amount of numbers, but they couldn't even keep pace. So I don't know what portal stuff they can do, what NIL stuff they can do. Is there a hatch green chili there in Albuquerque? Could that be a thing? Can that yeah. is there a big is there is there a big hatch, big chili hatch to help Lobos out there? I'm just saying it's I think the defense will be okay. It's still gonna be a hit, but I think the offense is where again I'm the offense guy apparently we all know but that's clearly this sticking point for them being abysmal at the moment. Mm-hmm. Anything else to add? Anything else? Are we off to uh, happiness? Because we had 2-0 for week one of bowl series.
2: Yeah, I think we could
0: turn to more uh, positive developments across the Mountain West. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After
2: all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right,
1: Fresno State 29, Washington State 6. Um, did you watch the bowl game in its entirety live? Essentially? I did. I saw awful announcements from other places kind of, uh, I don't know if they're complaining, but at least wrote about Kimmel taking over the bowl game. Did you care about that? I had no problem. No,
2: it. It's it's a bull game. Who cares?
1: Exactly. Like him joking with Molly McGrath about naming the baby rights for his kid and the Jimmy Kimmel baby and hanging out in the booth. I'm like, yeah, like if you like I'm I mean there for
2: comedy. He he, he fronted the money to put his name as a sponsor on the bowl game. If he wants to go out there and play a clarinet with the marching band, which he did, that's his prerogative. I mean, I feel like I feel like if I had that kind of money, I that's something I would do. Or I would buy yeah, like a minor league like, baseball team or something. Just you know, have a little fun. The whole yeah. thing is that the, the whole thing is that it's a glorified exhibition anyway. So who cares?
1: Yeah, it was exciting. It was fun. It was him and I felt he was the booth, well, if you're wanting the football, I was like, I don't like Joe Testa and those guys do fine. I'm like, I'm not there to listen to commentators. Half the time, when I watch games, I literally I'm either behind or I'm not I'm not my time is not always around to watch everything live because there's a lot of games. So I will watch like fast forward through plays. I don't listen to commentary very often, very often, unless there's like a weird play, like the we'll get to the Boise North Texas melee that happened when Taylor Green got hit in the sideline. Like I'm typically a lot of the times, like I'll just fast forward here. Oh, I can take it. Start twenty minutes late and catch up during halftime. I'm not particularly tuned into the announcer, so I felt it was fine. It's also different, and you know what he does for a living, Matt. He hosts a live late night show every night on ABC and does a dang good job at it, and it's funny and entertaining. Entertaining. Give me some random CEO sponsor when they put those guys in the booth. I'm like, kill me now. I do not want to hear them.
2: Like, let's put it this way: like if if you. Are not watching that game specifically for things like a, a, a mascot hot dog eating contest, whose yeah. sole purpose is to enable <laughs> yes. the uh, the Jimmy Kimmel camel mascot to projectile vomit into a body of water. Then you're watching the wrong sport.
1: Coach football is dumb and stupid and fun. You know what I mean?
2: Exactly. Amen. Thank you. Preach.
1: It's and the game. And you could still watch the game. You know what I mean? It wasn't inhibiting the game. And this game, and it was fun. It was different. And it's just that's what you need to do for bowl games that have a little consequence. But you know what? It was great in this game watching this, man. Well, I'll tell you. What, well, it's not great for Washington State, but their offensive line is terrible. David Peralta's out there barely h- hanging around, sacking Cam Ward, pulling jerseys down, people getting interceptions. This uh, defense showed sort up. Of, very well for a team. I know there's coaching issues with their OC Eric Norris going to North Texas, but this defense stepped up big and just shut down Washington State. It wasn't even close.
2: Yeah. I mean, we knew coming into the game that they were missing like a lot of key players. And so, my one of my big takeaways was man, I would have really liked to see President State match up against Washington State at full strength. Because you mentioned the offensive line, we knew coming in they were already missing their best guy, Jared Kingston, with a season-ending injury. Mm. You know, another of their offensive line was limited by a uh, by uh, in- injuries throughout the second half of the year. But I do think you're right. Like you know, beyond that, beyond sort of having to replace two of the top three pass catchers, like I don't want to take that much of, away from the Bulldogs' defense because they went in there and did exactly what they needed to do. Against a depleted unit, you know six sacks, nine TFLs, and it seemed like Cameron Ward was uh, under fire a lot more often than that. You know that's where so you that get pl- things like you know thirty-two attempts for one hundred and thirty-seven yards. Well, there's that if play. Was like doing math? That's, that's four point three yards per attempt. It's uh, that'll get the job done if you're a defense.
1: What play was it where it ran backwards forever? Was that the two-point play?
2: Yeah, because well, they, chug- they, they brought they just brought pressure right up the middle.
1: I know, yeah. yeah I'm and, just trying to remember what play that was.
2: And, and and you know, one guy came free, chased him into the back of the end zone, and he stepped out without even realizing
1: it. Oh yeah, it no, was, not a, that. L- well, it was a long that too. afternoon for the yeah
2: for the Cougars.
1: Yeah, there's that. So I'm t- now I'm talking about the play where he he's rolled around. Like I think it, I think when he scored the touchdown, it went for two, and he kind of rolled and got stuck and just chucked it from like the twenty yard line into the corner. It might have been that too, yeah. There was not many good plays. There was one play I did notice where Ward did. I just remember it was crazy. Like it's just a quarterback draw or designed run third and short, fourth and short. Some Fresno State guy got leveled on a running play the center. Or I think oh, they yeah. It was really up. Sherrod by uh, Derek Langford. It just, just got boom. We're like, oh my gosh. He just got crushed. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> that's got to feel bad. But the game itself is kind of how I expected for certain, for the, not, not the outcome, obviously the big difference, but I felt if Jordan Mims had a big game, which he was just sidestepping, hip, like hip swiveling everywhere. Like they cannot tackle to save 200 yards. He was just on point this game. He was doing everything extremely well with two, about 240 yards. There was no stopping him. Nico Romigio, like he almost had that touchdown end of the first half, which would have been crazy if he scored that. What was a 40 something yard reception with like yeah, no time yeah. left. Goes on the sideline. Like, yeah, John Reno Copper had a reasonably good game. It was just passing to everybody. They're talking about Jay Kaner at top. Quarterback. I do like how Greg McElroy was saying, had he not missed games this year, he'd have been up for many national awards, which I concur. And that's why we felt he was the best quarterback in the conference. He's, it wasn't, overall, it took a second to get going because it's kind of not a second, but it's more of a uh, kind of a slow burn a little bit where it's like they scored every quarter essentially, but it wasn't going out big. They're up 16 on halftime. It seemed yeah. over. Well, at that I mean, point. it is.
2: As dominating as it was for stretches, it was not an A plus game, and I do think it's no. important to remember that. You know, because you you know you say it was sort of a slow burn that sort of glosses over the fact that in the first quarter, for instance, after you know opening the game with a touchdown drive, you know they it's get goal to the red zone again, they stall and they miss a field goal.
1: I meant point wise, but yeah, they moved the ball easily the first couple drives.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, they, and then they, you know, crossed midfield a couple of other times, didn't, weren't able to get points every single time they crossed midfield. But at the same time, you know, the Cougars didn't get into Fresno State territory until after halftime. And then when it's they did, a, that was when yeah. Cameron Ward threw an interception. It took them until you know, the late third quarter to even get any points on the board.
1: I was referring off, yeah, offensively. Defensively, they shut them yeah. down. Like, there was no, nothing moving the ball offensively. I meant, like, they moved the ball, but points were, like, you, it was, yeah, they moved the ball. They missed a field goal. They turned over and not turn over, downs. They had to punt once or twice. Point being just that the offense, it was a it was never in doubt. That's why I'm getting that. But it wasn't, yeah. we're not winning 44 to six. Like, the defense shut them down and they could not do anything. I know they're missing players, but, you, you go with the F out there. If you were k more, what the expectation to what he could be, like third down, four and 14, four and 14, one of three on third down. They had more, way more penalties than uh, Fresno State. They could only run the ball one and a half yards per attempt. Like, there was no... Washington, Washington State had no, no answers for anything.
2: I mean, the kind of amazing thing, too, is that Fresno State, on average, had longer third downs than Wazoo did. <laughs> yeah, Their average third that. down distance was 8.8 was 8 yards. The, the difference was... You know, those third and mid situations where I think were where I think Fresno State made most of their hay, you know, third and long, you know, Wazoo was one of five and Fresno State was only one of three, the nine, nine or more yards. Um, you know, when it was third and short, four or fewer yards, you know, they were both 50%. You know, Washington State was two of four, Fresno State was one of two. But it was those sort of m- third and medium situations where Fresno State was able to move the chains a lot more often. And yeah, I do think a lot of that comes down to Hainer where, you know, and and Hainer, well, not only that, but also I really think Washington State missed the linebackers.
1: Oh, easily. Yes. Like look at the time, mm. like blitzing and second level tackling. They could mend like he was just moving the hip slightly and guys were just blown by and couldn't touch them.
2: Well, and they, and they killed him with crossing patterns too. Did you notice that? Oh yes. There are a couple of
1: those are, you
2: know, Nico Remigio, his touchdown I think was maybe the best example of that. Down in the red zone.
1: Yeah, but, that one was good.
2: But it seemed like even when they just were picking up, you know, small plays, small time plays, you know, Eric Brooks had a big 29 yard catch, and I'm pretty sure that was on a crossing pattern. I'm pretty sure Jalen Morano Cropper had at least one or two. So did Raymond Powell's the tight end. It's just, I think they identified a weakness and they attacked it with uh with great effect with great effectiveness.
1: Yeah, they're just this was a a game where fresno they're they're just better team even if full strength i don't think they would have lost but and again they're Norris, new coach and all that stuff leaving i don't know how much i had to do with it but yeah losing players that's how these bowl games are gonna be like who's playing or who's not playing is a big deal and would it make yeah. a difference maybe maybe not but you play with what you have and that's why it's kind of hard when we preview some of these games it's like okay who's playing who's healthy like paralysis we weren't sure he's gonna play and he had two sacks and in the game and he played quite well. That first sack was a dead on hit. They had nine nine TFL, six sacks in the game. The whole team, like defense like Evan Williams had a huge sack in this game. Like there were plenty of guys who were making plays. I'm um, oh, sorry, Prowlis, I was looking at Bridges. Sorry, Prowlis had one sack. Excuse me. Bridges had the two two sacks. But like the one Prowlis had was like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, he's out there and ran straight through and just boom rolled up and just took out Cam Rord. And Cam Lockridge had a sack, my guy who I picked to win the title game MVP defensively played well. Just got to bring mm-hmm. that up every now and then. And Fresno was only missing one player. What were they missing Evan Williams, correct? Was he the one guy out? Or no, not Evan Williams. Um, Shoot. Who's this DB out? for Fresno wasn't there one out? Are you talking about Braylon Lux? So, maybe. I, for some reason, I thought Evan Williams. I'm like, I mean, they
2: I'm had injuries throughout the year, but as far as recent guys, Perales was the big name who came back and played in this um, game.
1: Maybe I'm just spacey. Maybe I just thought for some reason. I don't know. That's my bad. Anything else add about this game? Like, Hayner goes down to big win. Oh, I, we should mention... What was it on ESPN they put out there? This is the first time a team has won and four to get to ten wins. Was that mm-hmm. the correct stat I saw? That is so correct. kudos for them for that. Remember, this team lost to UConn, folks. Just saying. Sorry to bring that. up. Again. that is a thing that time.
2: happened, and I watched it happen, so I can hey, confirm.
1: Also, UConn went to a bowl game, so there's that it wasn't a terrible as terrible as loss as we thought. That's true. So I assume you agree with the Jeff Tedford hired second time round. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean I wrote the me a couple years ago. I'm
1: good. I'm good.
2: <laughs> it's all good.
1: Anything else to add about the game or should we move on to the Frisco Bowl?
2: Uh no, we can move on. Um, although <laughs> so you didn't get the chance to watch the Frisco Bowl live, correct?
1: No, so I mi- I watched no, I oh um no, I didn't watch it till today. And so I also missed so the then, first eight minutes of it and I saw the rock climbing thing or something. Fiasco no, no, no not rock said? climbing. Not rock climbing. <laughs> not rock climbing it was rock skipping rocks because what i what i know what i should have done though i start i, start, I started watching when it's 3 because that's what popped up on my youtube tv i should have just downloaded it or gone from the espn app to watch from the beginning but I'm like that's oh, 3 not a big deal but so explain that to me because i know games get delayed for whatever reason even the fresno game like crap i i had it recorded but i watched most of it live But i started half an hour late and so I no, missed
2: it was that just, first you know, time. It was it was one of those things where, you know, there was some overlap between, I believe it was Southern Miss and Rice in the Lending Tree Bowl. That yeah, because game Frank Gore or Jr. had
1: 500 yards rushing. Come on, you got to that till the end.
2: That's <laughs> true. Um, and so, you know, the first school bowl started on ESPN News, but it didn't start right away. I think there was like a slight delay of maybe like five minutes tops or something like that.
1: It's because some well, family were... members pushing the buttons back in the bristol studios like i gotta keep this going my, my be, great yeah. uncle's on here
2: <laughs> <laughs> it might be but yeah but it took like five minutes uh of rock skipping and that was because the espn news had been doing like the the o show
1: you know yeah
2: Was well, so was it so on it was the app of, i'm assuming to those... watch live
1: from the beginning i'm guessing
2: yeah and so yep. so once the game started like you know people who were on espn news didn't miss anything it was just one of those ironic things where everybody was waiting for the game to start and i think even the frisco bull twitter account was like the game is going to start short don't worry you're not missing anything um <laughs>
1: they're freaking out
2: we paid money for this but, get us on tv but then you know like but then the game started and you still you didn't know, miss anything as for sort of an half. objective observer observer and you you kind of started missing the rock skipping after a little while because it took took some time for either team to get things going <laughs>
1: You know, was skipping rocks, Taylor Green. Jeez, oh my gosh. He was terrible the first half. He was overthrowing receivers, underthrowing receivers. He got lucky the one interception there was past interference that was, I don't know who the heck he was throwing the ball to when it could have been a clear early on, like New York, North Texas took a deep interception, ran it back a good 20, 30 plus yards, but they were bailed out by an interception where luckily it was in the field of play because that ball was not catchable to the, if it's going to the tight end there. There was no way he was getting that ball, and so that bailed them out, but he was not good in the first half.
2: Well, I mean, he he had a couple of nice throws. Like, I think there was a, a nice catch and run, at least one from Latrell Cables. I believe it was a 32-yarder that he had. Yeah. But, yeah, he definitely – you know, it looked early on like he had sort of picked up where he left off in the championship game a week and a half ago. You know, six of his first 14, despite those couple of nice chunk plays – and it wasn't really until after halftime that things started clicking on that front and to his credit you know whatever adjustments that the offense made whatever adjustments he was able to make at halftime they worked because you know three more chunk plays after halftime i believe he was seven of his last eight down the stretch so on the whole like it's 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 a modest box score 13 of 22 137 yards and a touchdown
1: but, but- you know what it really was <laughs> it was yeah, dirk carter was going, the, it was the legs too yeah dirk carter's like they can't stop this quarterback draw okay let's do this let's do a quarterback designed run let's do a delayed handoff oh george shoney got hurt erland oh it's okay Ashton Gentry, let's go for 178 yards oh Taylor green yeah you get 10 yards of carry every time you touch the ball and be untouched for multiple touchdowns North
2: Texas, it's, yeah, it's like everybody sort of think somebody, had, somebody on the offensive staff must have realized, must have remembered, especially when they saw Taylor Green leapfrogging,
1: uh,
2: yeah, a North Texas defender to be like, oh yeah, he could do things like that,
1: and it wasn't even like, like it wasn't even athletic running plays. It was shotgun. Okay, take a step back. Oh, there's a hole right side. Oh, left yeah. side. Oh, it's third and six. Nothing oh, I'll, fancy. I'll get eight yards. I'll, I'll walk up the middle and get a touchdown. Nobody touch me from whatever ten to twenty yards out. One of those was. I'm like this North Texas interior defense just could not do anything. And because first half, like, okay, they're throwing the ball. It was six to, or is it 10 They're down 10 to six? Boise state is losing because North Texas scored that touchdown and like, okay, fine. They're throwing the ball. That's cool. And then they decided to run. I'm like, oh, we can run. Oh, look at this play. This is very enticing. We can do what now? Because on the first drive in the second half when they, because the third quarter was amazing. There was 36 points back and forth. It was more, much more exciting football. And that's, when the game oh, started yeah. because first half was who not too exciting, but you have actually going. Yeah. Yeah. Jenty had a 34 yard run. Taylor green had 20 yard run 19. They just ran the ball every single play outside of the one tail green incomplete pass. That was at Riley Smith where they called, I believe that was the pass interference play. I believe it was. Mm-hmm. If I, oh no, no, it was, sorry. No, that was not it. Never mind. That's first half. That was just another pass incomplete pass, but they ran every time. And then they got the two point conversion as well on the uh, yeah. non quarterback pass as well.
2: Well, everything got better after halftime because, oh. it, you know, in the, in the first 30 minutes, of course they were down 10 to six, but they were out gain on a per play basis by about half a yard. And, and green wasn't playing well at that point. The running game was relatively quiet and you know, they were only averaging 4.3 yards per carry in the first half and everything picked up after halftime. Like, he, like I mentioned before, that was when green made most of his hay against this North Texas defense and then the running game averaged seven and a half yards per carry after halftime, and and, yeah. and and I think it started looking more like I think you and I probably both expected them to look coming into this game okay. against a, a North Texas defense that had you know some some key players, some some good players, mm-hmm. but those but those key players were sort of neutralized all game long. Like Katie Davis was you know defensive player of the year in Conference USA. Only five tackles, only a half a tackle for loss. He had a relatively quiet day, and maybe most importantly, you know, even despite Taylor Green's struggles, the offensive line had a very good night. You know, only three TFLs, zero sacks allowed.
1: Well, the run blocking was amazing. Like they what three hundred yeah. yards rushing. And exactly. the big, the biggest, the biggest thing in the game was like in the third quarter. I'm like, okay, North Texas had that lead, but it kept North Texas up, Boise. It kept going back and forth, and then. There was the intercept, the key change was interception that led to touchdown. So, Boise's mm-hmm. up 11, but then really quick, North Texas, not quick, but 11 play drive, 90 yards, like, Boise's defense had no answer at all outside of the pick. And then they punt, like, okay, they punt, all right. But the biggest play was when they got pushed deep in their own end zone, where they kick it from the, what, there's a penalty or something, like, from the four-yard from the line. the four-yard line, right? Yeah, yeah, they could get, there's a oh, the false start, that's what it was, put him back. They end up doing is like, are they going to go for it? Like, fourth 11 that deep, they're down three. Nope. They that was the biggest play. the biggest portion of the game for Boise to win was stopping them deep in their territory. The awesome punt, where remember, they they declined the penalty. The or no, that's going what did they there's a penalty on Boise as well, wasn't there? Um, yeah, I no, there was so, a false yeah. start. Yeah, the false start where look where the ball bounced, the ball bounced at the five, and that's where Boise picked it up. Not to say they would replicate the exact same thing if they're if they're five yards closer. But there's a penalty, which gave them more room to punt, got the ball at the five, and then they nothing could get done. they lose one yard, had a penalty on their own, had to punt it. And North Texas still had a chance, but then again, when they get the ball, when Boise points again, not box we reading sort of, but Boise offense could have put it the way they didn't, but the defense stepped up again, like, okay, we're done here. We're doing another another driver getting like one yard, and that's it. So defense came up huge in that fourth quarter, and that was also you know, a big difference there
2: yeah and i would say that you know to their to the defense's credit they did a pretty good job all game long because i thought that the the one way that things might have gone awry for them was if austin ony the north texas quarterback had been able to get a hot hand and while he did have a, a handful of like really nice throws like there was one in particular i can't remember who it was too, but it was like a it was an unguardable throw I can't remember which one it was. But it was like a big throw. I think it was the one that Jordan Smart with fifty three yards in the first half.
1: But oh, I there, he could, yeah, he cooked yeah.
2: his defender and it was just like a perfectly thrown ball. But those plays were really few and far between. You know, he did have you know one hundred ninety nine yards worth of big passing plays, but then you look at the final total and he was only seventeen of thirty two for two hundred thirty eight yards.
1: Well, two picks with one and... touchdown,
2: two interceptions. Yeah.
1: They kept, they kept putting Stone Earl to run the ball in the 10-yard in the line. Like, what are you doing? We know a play's coming. You're not scoring here. Like, what, what's going on there, North Texas? Yeah. Like, so like, like, it was so, so obvious. It, I know that,
2: uh, you know, especially when it got back, or, back and forth in the middle of the game, I know a lot of Boise State fans were sort of, you know, anxious about their defense's ability to keep up. But I think what ultimately caught up to the Mean Green is that they were just a, you know, really feast or famine in the same way that they were in a lot of different games all year long. And so, you know, while the Broncos did have to hang on a little bit as North Texas put together some scoring drives in a hurry, yeah, I think on the whole it was a pretty good defensive effort despite the final score. You know, eight yeah. pass breakups is is I think with sort of the 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 stat that tells you everything you need to know.
1: Yeah, third quarter was dicey because they kept going back and forth, but it wasn't as if they were going down. In they still had to earn a little bit because when they were scoring, it still took. Outside of what the, the six-play drive, that was pretty quick. They were – it wasn't like we're scoring instantly. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong. Yeah, I'm looking at the first half. But in the second half, they were 10-play drive. It took a minute. 11-play drive. They weren't going down scoring instantly. They had two short drives, a four- and a six-play drive overall that scored – led to touchdowns. But mm-hmm. they had to work for it a little bit in the second half. But the defense finally figured things out when they got the interception and they made them work for the next drive. And so it just took a second. But there was it was just a overall good effort. It's, they needed both sides of the ball to get to win. Like the defense had to make plays because they'd gone, gone score for score. They'd lost because they were down at halftime. Mm-hmm. Boise was worse on third down than North Texas. they were worse on fourth down than North Texas. They but they did outgain them, obviously, rushing and, and passing. Or no, excuse me, not even passing. They were not outgained passing. So North Texas got plays. They just couldn't get enough of them.
2: Well, one of the other major differences, too, is Boise State was much better on first downs. Especially on the ground, well. like you know, th- this is maybe the stat of the game more so than the pass breakups. You know, fr- first down rushing attempts. Boise had twenty six of them and averaged almost seven and a half yards per carry. And and oh, by that's the bad. way, Taylor Green was also seven of eight for eighty yards on first downs.
1: Okay, that's not bad.
2: <laughs> no, so yeah, they were they were a little bit lackluster on those money downs, but they were definitely getting things done on early downs. And that is sometimes the edge that you need.
1: Anything else to add about this game? Yeah, Dirk, yeah, Dirk Cutter stepping down. You have. Uh, do we know about George Lonnie's injury? Because he played and this kind of a shoulder thing. Is it the same thing bugging him from the Utah State game? Like a, uh, a month That ago? would be
2: my guess. I know that he had been somewhat limited down the stretch. You know, and I think we had a question about that during the championship game in particular. Mm-hmm. So I would I would guess they were sort of hedging their bets as far as you know pushing him any any farther than they had to.
1: Yeah, that's what figure. Like cause he's probably done as well. I'm assuming with his career at Boise State. That makes sense.
2: He might be, yeah.
1: So it'd be unfortunate, but he had a good first in last year, and he'll get a chance next year if he if that's what he decides to do. Cause I'm eligibility-wise, I'm assuming he has one more year, probably two if redshirt but who knows what's going on. He's not going to do that, but it's always a weird, like the Oregon, see the Oregon tight end can technically come back in 2025 for a ninth year. If he wants to.
2: Yeah, I did see that.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. But I think that wraps up for our recap of these bowl games and also doing uh, some big news here. So again, mwr.com Find us everywhere, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we're doing Instagram a touch more. Just why not? Cause again, you never know. It's going crazy out there. So you can find it on there as well. We're trying to maneuver that because that's something else we haven't done forever, but. Subscribe to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, I guess technically the word, I use Pocket Cast, but find us, us know how you like it, and we'll be back real soon to talk about the Christmas week slate of games. So we'll see you then.